0: The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to The Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My guest today is Colleen Kelly. She's Chair, Professor, and Director of MFA Acting Program at the Drama Department at the University of Virginia. Colleen is a founding member of the Association of Theatre Movement, Educators, and recipient of the ATME Lifetime Achievement Award. She is a past Vice President of the Virginia Theatre Association and a past Vice President of the Society of American Fight Directors. Colleen is also a member of Actors' Equity Association and has worked professionally as an actor, director, fight director, and dance choreographer, so we have lots to talk about. Welcome, Colleen. How are you?
2: Interesting to hear you say all of that. It's like sometimes I
0: think I need a hobby, but I don't think I do. That's plenty. I don't think you do. I think you're doing quite well uh, with all of this. But I'm glad to have you on this show. I think you've been on my other radio show, but not uh, the Reasonable Voices, so this is good. Well,
2: thank you for inviting
0: me. My pleasure. You know, not everybody knows what an artistic director is. I actually had, you know, I've been an artistic director of theaters, but I've had people say things to me that imply they thought it was an art director or... So why don't we tell the folks what is an artistic director and how you, as an artistic director, are working at University of Virginia?
3: Well, actually, this was a new position for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Chapel was artistic director for 20, oh, 25, 26 years at yes. the Heritage Theater Festival. He retired... And while we were doing a search for a new artistic director as chair of the department, I was asked to serve as the interim artistic director. Uh So
2: I spent a year learning Mm -hmm. what it was on a (laughs) day-to-day basis. And it uh,
3: it, it was absolutely overwhelming and exhilarating Mm -hmm. because it it allowed me to... um, so, first of all, learn much more about the community and the relationship between heritage and our academic program. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, to be accountable for not just the, the season, picking the shows mm-hmm. that we're doing, but for the hiring, uh, deciding on um, the budget, of course.
2: Sure. That also
3: comes in, into play. But I think the, the one thing that I learned was how important it is to be available to communicate with our staff, with our actors, and with the community. Mm -hmm. And so when I took the position as interim artistic director, my first goal was to kind of open the backstage secrets. I really wanted the community to be able to know how we put a season together. And so we had a, a few more
2: Talk backs after shows. We had mm-hmm. some
3: live stream um, talks on Facebook. We had uh, a lot more backstage tours. Mm-hmm. Just really inviting the community into our facility because often when you're sitting in the
0: audience, you see everything that's the finished the product. The finished product, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but and not I all just, the work. I wanted, <laughs> but you know, not I'm I just sorry. wanted everyone <laughs> to see. You know, what what goes on backstage. We even
3: had um, some of our patrons, our uh, community members, came and watched a tech rehearsal. Now, if anyone oh. knows what a technical
2: rehearsal is, mm. oh my gosh. Yeah. We think that's the most painful <laughs> thing because it's hurry up and wait. Mm. You know, it, it can take 20 minutes for just one cue, or even hours yes. for one cue. And, I think the night that they were there
3: I had been um, the, the director of Pirates of Penzance and on that night we were trying to get the ship to move. Oh wow. And and we were trying and and it, we finally did get it to move, but I thought, My goodness, how could this be interesting to anyone sitting here? <laughs> and it was it's just fascinating to see, you know, how you get all the lights and, and get everything coordinated. So, yes,
0: we we had a great time last year, and we hope to do more of the same this year. Fantastic. Well, I I certainly understand what you're talking about. And I've had the surprise, too, of uh, uh, people coming in or the cast members coming in saying, can can so-and-so sit in on the tech rehearsal? And I always give them a little look. You know, but my only question is, are they in the business? Yes, well, then they understand, but you you've gone a lot better because with actually bringing in the community that is not necessarily theatre experience other than an audience. what a time that must have been an education It may have seemed laborious to those who had to do the work. but I imagine it's fascinating to to watch how it all, even though it grinds sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, slow what? tempo but still that that's that's fascinating fascinating so you are truly opening up the theater um and how it works to the public and what sort of response are you getting is is attendance up for instance are backers coming in i don't know what, what. <laughs> but i mean it would be nice well, you know well i'll let you answer yeah um well the,
3: the answer is is yes and and I suppose that's only why I'm why I'm only the interim artistic director is because um, those things are very important. But I also think about how we just get people in our building, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's not necessarily the dollar line, you mm-hmm. know, at, mm-hmm. at the bottom. Um, and I just think for especially getting
2: younger students, in, yes, yes. Maybe
3: Able to visit here in the summer um, and being able to have our undergraduates working with our graduate students and working with professionals so I think that that I still think of this as
2: an educational opportunity mm-hmm. for
3: everybody
2: yeah including me and
3: and I've learned much more about Charlottesville mm-hmm. um, having to
0: excellent and you know and i hear what you're saying i one thing i've often said when a theatre has approached me and they're having a, a challenge for audiences or whatever i always say go to the schools have field trips come and see you you build an audience and audience appreciation and awareness as early as you can and you are creating theatre goers And so I I love that approach. I think that's marvelous for you to do that. And in addition, you know, the talkbacks and being able to have the tours backstage. How how are your talkbacks attended? I know I was a part of one of those at the Heritage, and I found it, uh, it it was interesting, the questions. But what's your experience with it?
3: Our actors and designers, they absolutely love the opportunity Mm -hmm. to be able to answer the questions. Um, And our audiences, uh, usually if it was on, um, for example, this year, Tuesday, we have Talk Back Tuesdays, Mm -hmm. um, that um, having the, the audience stay, but I think what some of our audience members don't realize is Anybody can come to the talkbacks. It's mm-hmm. not just for the audience that attended the show that evening. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing I learned. I want to make sure that our audiences um, know that they can come to the talkbacks, whether they saw the show that night
2: or, or not. Hmm. So hopefully that will help even more
3: people
0: yes. attend the talkbacks. That's a nice little wrinkle. I don't think I've ever, ever done that. That's, that's very good. I love that. Well, let's let's remind people, I, I, I want to, um, I know I said it in your intro, but you are a professor, you are a chair, you are uh, a director, and although we're talking about you as the artistic director at the Heritage Theater Festival, we should say the Heritage Theater Festival is associated with the University of Virginia. I don't want to call it its summer program because it it's both united and, and independent. Is that It is the professional Mm -hmm. summer
3: theater, so it does take place in the summer, but it's the professional theater that is a a component of the Department of Drama Mm -hmm. at the University of Virginia. So not only is it housed here in terms of the venue, but it also uh, has deep roots. It's integrated into our academic mission, Mm -hmm. and our faculty and our students a chance
0: for them it's like a a laboratory in the science you get to completely focus on on your art um, for several weeks yes and also there are people as you say it's professional so they have professionals visiting artists from all over who come there to work for that summer so they are having that experience Uh, That that's quite fascinating i mean i enjoyed it working there and was always surprised when students would come up and ask questions about this and that and the other thing. Because you know sometimes when you've done this a while, you are, you love the art, you love the work, but you, you're showing up because you're supposed to show up and you have a job to do and you do your best. You forget some of those earlier impressions and questions. Save me from myself. What do you think? <laughs> oh why we invite um, our alums to come mm-hmm.
2: back,
3: it's why we invite professionals to join us in the summer. Mm-hmm. It it not only helps our students learn and see the bar that they should be working at mm-hmm. in both performance but in all of our shops. But it, it also creates the network which is So important for young artists moving into the field that they have a sense that, hey, I I met a a designer from Chicago Mm or I know someone in New York. Uh, So it strengthens our alumni networking and it creates a whole other level of
2: professional
0: networking, even if, if our artists were not originally from UVA. Excellent. You know, getting back to the artistic hat, as you said, You are not necessarily directing all the shows, but you certainly are a director, and you did, as you say, direct Pirates, uh, Penzance, last year. But you are also hiring the directors, and you are definitely involved in the casting, at least overseeing what the director of the show, you know, in what direction uh, is that director going, what they're looking for, and perhaps introducing them to talent. But you are also a fighting director, and I... Uh, or, I should say, a fight director. <laughs> I don't know, maybe you fight but, too. But sometimes I'm a fighting
3: director yeah. too, so that's okay.
0: <laughs> but, you know, my, my really only experience um, being directed by a fight director, um, you know, there's a lot of choreography in my life, you know, I've done all that, but it's different when they bring in a fight director who teaches you who choreographs but often at least in my case teaches you how to to do this spear or fencing or what you know whatever you're doing how what do you do speaking as one what do you do when you've got this actor you feel okay this is great but he may not be the best fighting person <laughs> on stage, stage fighting. Right. What do you do? You, you what make, do you do you when you get sure, me?
1: <laughs> you, you make sure
3: that you are the first person to die in the battle. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I believe that. Um, <laughs> no, there, there, no, there are ways. I,
3: I always feel that my job as a fight director is first to tell the story,
2: mm-hmm.
3: but to empower the actor to mm-hmm. be able to tell the story, because no matter how fancy my fight choreography may be, it is not going to look good if the actor can't execute it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I just when I come in, I often do a little workshop with the actors to see how they move. Mm-hmm. Or so even if I'm chore- choreographing, I might. You know, have them work with just a wibble bat and play a little bit first, um, and see what their instincts are, and mm. then try to choreograph something that can feel right uh, for the actor and for the character mm-hmm. and for for the story. Because otherwise, it just looks like um, people trying to yes.
0: imitate
3: <laughs> me moving rather yes. than really helping them find how they can look good doing, doing like
0: choreography and do you have a specialty or do you do any kind of fighting you know i mentioned well maybe i didn't mention but broadsword i had to deal with in uh uh richard iii at uh, the shakespeare theater in dc but um you know broadsword spears uh fencing uh, different period pieces what what's your experience and, and give us a little antidote uh- or something
3: Um, I belong to an organization called the Society of American Fight Directors. Yes. And in order to be a teacher of stage combat and or be a fight director... You actually have to be tested in your knowledge of all of those weapons. Mm-hmm. So especially period, period weapons, as you said, sword, sword, staff, sword, sword, sword and shield, mm-hmm. uh, single sword, rapier, rapier and dagger, all of, of those weapons that you would find in classical Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole vocabulary of contemporary.
2: Yes. Unarmed combat, knife fighting. So
3: there's the contemporary um, fighting.
2: Sure. And I think that um,
3: when I first started this work, because I was a, a woman coming into it, I was often asked to choreograph maybe if there was some conflicts with with, um, male-female, they would bring me in to do that. And what I found was... I had to create a whole other vocabulary because it wouldn't make any sense mm.
2: if a woman was being mugged for uh-huh. suddenly to take a stand and and start doing punch you know roundhouse punches like John Wayne or sure. something
3: you know that that I had to really find a whole other kind of
0: street vocabulary for uh, contemporary sure. violence. Sure, like West Side and, Story.
3: And and even just you know. Um,
2: you know, barroom and yeah, things. Found, yes. found weapons. How does you know uh, ah. instead of a, a quarter staff? How does a uh, you know a, a, a glass or a chair sure. or
3: something else become a, a, a weapon? And that's in you know, a lot of contemporary fighting. That it's the found weapons you have to figure out how to how to use.
2: Excellent. And I
3: love fantasy weapons. That. Yeah, that's how I spend my my time. If the play is in a world
2: uh-huh. that doesn't
3: have any rules for violence, and then I get to make up the rules and I get to create <laughs> the weapons, so that's always
0: fun. Wow, how do you create a weapon out of uh, in a room that doesn't have any obvious weapons? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, I I will I'll confess that I have spent a lot of time at or home improvement, mm. and you just kind of walk up and down the, the aisle mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I'm looking for things, and I have had employees at, at those doors come up to me and they'll say, you know that,
2: <laughs> that, that, that those two things don't go together, but that's <laughs> from plumbing and that's from electrical.
3: And it's like, oh, you just wait and see what I put together with these, <laughs> with these things. And then I'll tell them what I'm doing, and they'll say, oh, you should go to Garden Supply, because I have those things that look like claws, where you dig, and you
2: could take the handle off that. And so then they take me all around the store and help me find how to put some things together
0: that look like very interesting weapons. Fascinating. You know, I mean, as I confess, fighting on stage uh, is not an expertise of mine so i've just learned something i i didn't know and i greatly appreciate you sharing that that you know you go out and you you're looking it's like all the detective stories and they ask the lead detective what are you looking for and the detective says I'll, I'll know when i see it well you you really uh to create something wow that i love that i love that listen we're gonna we're gonna oh no no go ahead go ahead
3: I should, but of course, the, the one thing that why
0: a show needs a fight director is safety. Yes. The most important mm-hmm. thing is that the actors are safe, that the audience is
3: safe, that you don't break like any scenery, that safety is the primary reason why a fight director is needed
2: in a show.
0: Absolutely. And I'm certainly appreciative of that. Okay, Colleen, we are going to take a break. As much as I hate to tear away, this was excellent. It was was entertaining and it was educational. I mean, what more do you want? And inspirational. Um, We are talking with Colleen Kelly, Artistic Director of the Heritage Theater Festival at the University of Virginia. We will be right back. We have a season to talk about, and we'll talk more about directing, casting, and uh, maybe even a little more fighting. Stay with us.
1: And now, another film rental discovery.
0: Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Religion is an inescapable facet of society. Here in America, home of the Bible Belt and megachurches as far as the eye can see, Christianity is king. Its creeping influence has its fair share of critics, but likely few are as entertaining as Brian Tannelly's dramedy, Save. Jenna Malone plays Mary at about teenager who loves praising the Lord with her best friend Hillary Faye. When Mary's boyfriend Dean comes out to her, Mary proceeds to follow through on a vision wherein Jesus tells her to save Dean's soul by losing her virginity to him. When Mary winds up pregnant and Dean is sent away to a Christian rehab center, she is forced to navigate her senior year confused and concerned about her once firm beliefs. Malone's performance as Mary is a knockout punch filled with soul-searching that rises far above run-of-the-mill teen angst. Mandy Moore's turn as the more radically religious Hillary Faye is also a highlight. Watching her bounce off the walls in response to Mary's loss of faith is equal parts hilarious and humbling. Saved pulls off the high-wire act of realistically portraying what it's like to be forced to confront your beliefs while refraining from making a mockery of devout religion saved not in theaters discovery through rental welcome back to the reasonable voices talk radio show my guest today is the chair professor and director of mfa acting program at the drama department of the university of virginia and the artistic director of the heritage theater festival colleen kelly Great season coming, and, and coming very soon, we should say. Let's start, off, uh, let's start off with Middletown. Tell us a little about the playwright and his style. He's known for, for taking something that seems so simple, and, it, 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 and, you, and you're drawn in to what seems to be, okay, this is easy, I get it, and then all of a sudden, you realize, oh, there's more to it, there are more levels. What, what are your thoughts about uh, Middletown?
3: Account. And and I did pick it because I absolutely love
2: this place. Mm-hmm. It has a little bit of nod to Our Town, yes. um, which I think everyone is
3: familiar with. But Middletown places more of a, a contemporary spin mm-hmm. on what it is like just to survive this world. And so you have people who are very, very... Um, the the writing is witty it's very funny but then there are also some very serious moments
2: Mm
3: -hmm. one of the characters is is pregnant for the first time and Mm. and she's worried and just asking questions about what's going to happen and and about life um and um and you have uh, a lot of people in the town some tourists come into town and um, ask questions about the town square monument, and the young girl who is <laughs> giving the tour is kind of well. It just it's uh, a monument. It's mm-hmm. here because it's always been here, and. There's just a lot of things that in this play that you start to question. Yeah, I wonder why we do have those monuments in the middle of town, or mm-hmm. I wonder why you know, what tourists coming in here, what mm-hmm. their impression of of things are. It's it's just a, a wonderful play that I think everyone will relate to and and enjoy. But like I said, it also has some
0: some serious themes mm-hmm. in it. And I I wanted to mention this too. Uh uh, having worked at the Heritage Theatre Festival, I want to remind everyone Middletown opens on uh, friday june twenty third but these are short runs, so don't wait until the last minute to buy tickets you want to as a matter of fact, why don't we mention that now uh?
3: well i do know that if you go to org, you can certainly find um our season and read about that um and then uh as far as ordering tickets that can be done in person
2: mm-hmm. here
3: in we have a a box office the arts box office in the drama building or you can do that online mm-hmm. or by phone and that phone number is 434 434- nine
0: two four three three seven six excellent and we'll probably mention all of that information again at the end so uh for those who don't use smartphones are still using pen and pad get ready but uh and also as long as we're talking about that box office it's housed now in a beautiful new uh, at least lobby area front of the uh, theater area and, and a new theater yes the, the Ruth Kaplan Theater
2: um, uh, is is something we are very proud mm-hmm. of.
3: Um, for many years, we had our Culver, which is our large theater, mm-hmm. the Helms Theater, which is a black box, and we now have the Ruth Kaplan Theater. Which, if you drive by Arts Grounds over here, it, you can see the wonderful glass
1: yes. windows on, yes. the, on the
3: outside. And what? wonderful about both the theater inside and outside is as you said the lobby and then if you're in the Ruth Kaplan Theater we can even keep the, the um, shades up so that people walking by can even look right mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. And, and we've done that for mm-hmm. some plays we might have plays and sometimes the blinds are closed and sometimes they're open
0: fantastic I mean it's such a fascinating place physically as well as artistically. So let's talk about my old friends. Judith says she remembers me from Catholic University. I must admit I don't remember her but I certainly know Richard very well at the very least from um, from Lincoln. But tell us about Chapati and this married couple very much connected to the University of Virginia. This must be fascinating. Tell us about it. Well
3: Richard and Jude are both now retired and i was looking through some old heritage photos and i found that they had worked together in 1992 mm-hmm. at heritage mm-hmm. and they were in a um, room for the misbegotten and i found this wonderful picture of the two of them from 1992. Wow. and then i was reading this play Japati, which is just um, uh, a play for a man, an older man and woman, mm-hmm. and so I gave it to Jude and Richard and said, "Why don't you read this?" They fell in love with the play, oh. and I thought, "What a what a great gift for our community, and what a gift for them for their retirement um, to be able to be on stage mm. together again." Yes,
2: so they will be performing in in the, the play Chapati which is um, it's an Irish play and mm-hmm. I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying Chapati is the name of the dog <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so the character that Richard Warner plays, he had the dog named Chapati and mm-hmm. he's trying
3: to find a new home for the dog and then um, the character that Jude will be playing she is trying to find some homes for some kittens and cats.
2: And so the two of them come together, and you have some cat people and dog people, and you know
3: what happens when cat people and dog people get together. Yes. Um, yeah, so, again, it's, it's a very touching and story, and I, I just
0: cannot wait to see Jude and Richard on stage together again. Fabulous. I look forward to that, too. Chipati opens on July 6th so middletown opening june 23rd chapati opening july 6th and we still have more to come woody Guthrie, yeah
3: woody guthrie's American song. Mm. Yes. And i think that everyone's familiar with um with uh, woody guthrie's um most popular songs such mm. as this land is your land yes um, but this is a, an evening that really celebrates Everything that that Woody Guthrie um, has written, well, not everything, um, mm-hmm. but um, it is a celebration. And I think now in in America, this is the perfect example of how you can have stories and songs that can be challenging mm-hmm. because uh, he did write during during the Depression. But yes, yes there's still hope.
2: There's yes.
3: still giving voice to. Everyday people, and I think it'll be a, a, a wonderful show. We do have one, we, we have some some actors, singers who are local and from New York, but mm-hmm. Michael Clem, who is one of the uh, founding members of the, of the people I think in this area might know um, Eddie from Ohio. Um, and Michael Clem is going to be playing one of the roles in Woody huh? Guthrie's American Song. Oh, well. And I am so
0: so excited to um, have him on the heritage stage and joining us this wow. summer. Yeah and we should say that uh, this this was conceived and adapted by Peter Glazier uh, in orchestrations mm-hmm. and vocal arrangements by Jeff Waxman and and I guess you know from from what I hear it, it certainly is about Woody Guthrie's music but it's also about Woody Guthrie's America. And and the things his America has got- what he saw it go through. What what do you, what do you think?
3: It is. It um yeah, he, he was writing from his own experience and from the experience that he saw um during the Depression
2: era. Mm. But it, it's interesting how these songs still resonate yes. today and I think they resonate in a universal way. Yes. I mean his songs about the hard times and traveling
3: um, are rather universal mm-hmm. when you think of the journeys that many of our of our fellow global um, humans are are going through. Mm-hmm. And his yes, because we're to to resonate um, both, not only in in America, but I think across uh, yes. all cultures and nations.
0: Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. All right. A bit of a change on July 22nd, Ken Ludwig's Baskerville, a Sherlock Holmes mystery. So, he still lives and breathes, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah, and... And that
2: is, I'm I'm directing two shows this summer. I should say that Brian
3: Gary is directing Woody Guthrie's American Song, and Doreen Bechtel is directing Cipati. And um, so the the Ken Ludwig's Baskerville, uh, it is a Sherlock Holmes mystery, and Mm. if you know Baskerville, it is based on that. What is um, fun about this show is there are about 40, I think 43 roles. Wow. And only five actors.
0: I love that. I love that. (laughs) And it's. (laughs) We have two. We have an actor playing
2: Sherlock Holmes, an actor playing Watson,
3: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and then
3: three other actors play about 40 roles. Wow.
2: And they just keep changing, changing, changing. Um. So if you were
0: amazed what they could do in, in our past productions of Greater Tuna, yes. you can just watch how we how <laughs> change character and costume <laughs> in, in in this one. I was, it was I really was like a challenge. I was going to say this this even out does Tuna all the Tuna productions and they were amazing. <laughs> I mean that's yeah. absolutely amazing. Well, uh, and for those just uh, thirty nine steps. Oh it's yes. also in that kind of style. Yes, also. yes. Well, that leaves us with uh, a Grandma. Tell us about Actually, that. Actually, <laughs> we,
3: we have a musical company, and Bob Chaple
0: is coming back oh, wow.
2: to direct Company, and that um, July, opens July 20, 28th. Uh-huh. And
3: also, you know, one reason I'll go, the, that I picked the Woody Guthrie and why I put it in the slot it's yeah. in, we are, we're going to have a performance on July 4th. Oh. And I would
2: love oh, wow. just
3: to have as many people in the community in our Cobra Theater for a matinee on July 4th. Mm. And then then they can see fireworks and do other things. It'll be a hot day, so come into
2: the air conditioning yes. for the matinee on July
0: 4th of Woody Guthrie. Yeah, perfect and, timing. And, um, yeah. Perfect. That's so appropriate. Wow. Okay, then. We're not running out of time, and we're going to talk more about everything, but let's do talk about uh, uh, Barry Lubin in, uh, for a moment as Grandma, the Clown. And, uh, right. Yeah. So,
3: Barry, Barry has been Grandma the Clown for many, many years, um, and Grandma has been the long-time face of the Big Apple
2: Circuit, mm-hmm.
3: and... If some of you know, um, our Professor Emeritus LeVon Ho was actually um, uh, a history historian for Barnum Daly and he just knows so much about the circus. So Barry has been a friend of our department for a number of years, mm-hmm. and thanks to LeVon Ho, uh, Barry agreed to come and, and do a couple of very special performances. Mm-hmm. He's only going to be here for three days. And while Barry is performing,
1: we are going to have some workshops. Oh and yes. And Lavon is going to do a
2: presentation of circus in America, and mm. then we'll have some clown
3: camps and workshops
2: for mm-hmm. both
3: children and adults. And I... one very special thing for me is we have a a
2: professor in the school of nursing who mm-hmm. is head of the compassionate
3: care unit and his name is Tim Cunningham.
2: Uh-huh.
3: And Tim is a past executive director of Crowns Without Borders.
2: Oh, wow. These
3: are yeah these are the artists who who will go into into areas mm-hmm. on an international level and just bring some hope and smiles to the, um, children and, and adults, um, mm-hmm. whether it be through illness or through uh, um, any kind of war or what, whatever that need is, the Clowns Without Borders will um, do humanitarian outreach. Um, and Kim also has experience um, with uh, hospital clowns, again, how, how the artists, can bring smiles to people in, mm. in need, mm-hmm. and so we're going to have some presentations that talk about hospital clowning and about humanitarian clowning. So we are doing the gamut of clowning. Mm. We have Barry Lubin, and we have workshops, and we have circus, and we have humanitarian outreach, and and I am just so excited to be. Um, that heritage can present this to the to
0: the community, and that all happens the uh, uh, first weekend of August. That's that's beautiful, and and we've sort of come full circle with your title as artistic director. But tell us when is when does uh, company open again with Bob directing? Company yes, opens July twenty eighth. Okay, well that's exciting too. But uh, artistic director, mm-hmm. your second year. How are you en- enjoying it, and how is it uh, when you must shift <laughs> shift hats and so forth? Uh, because it sounds I hear it in your voice, Colleen. you sound so excited, so so uh, enthusiastic. I mean that's that's uh, contagious. Uh, And and you are clearly in command of the facts and what needs to go what, whether you're in Lowe's or backstage or wherever. So how are you feeling about it? Because you sound great. Well,
3: thank you, and I feel great. However, I will feel terrific when we can announce our new artistic director, which I am hoping we are going to be able to do this summer. We have done an extensive search, we have had wonderful candidates, and um, we are now hoping that within just a few short weeks Mm -hmm. that we can announce um, the name of the new artistic director of the Heritage Theater Festival. And I will
2: be so glad (laughs) to, To be able to allow someone else to share that excitement Mm. and enthusiasm and work that I have been doing (laughs) as as interim artistic director. But I
3: am so glad I did it because I feel that now with a new artistic director coming in, I can actually help them um, in in the community and help them just hit
0: the ground running because I've had this experience. Absolutely. Absolutely all right we're going to have to go but before we go let's remind everyone of the website and how one can get tickets for the season we have quite a season ahead starting out with colleen kelly directing middletown and chapati with the warners and uh, woody Guthrie on the fourth of july as well as the uh, the run itself so, so, do uh, come visit Sherlock Holmes. And remember, Bob's coming back with company and Grandma and the Circus Clowns. So, that's a quick rundown. But, Colleen, why don't you give us the website again and how one can get tickets? Sure. The um, uh, Heritage Theater
3: Festival.org. All heritage theater And we do spell theater with an R E. Uh, it would be our website. And then tickets can either be purchased at the box office or by phone, 434-924-3376, or online. And um, the online, um, again, if you go to heritagetheaterfestival.org, um, that'll give you a link to buy tickets for any of the shows, or a season subscription.
0: Mm, That's the yes. <laughs> to <laughs> All right, then. Colleen, I can't tell you how exciting this has been. I so appreciate you being on the show. You know how I love theater, and I love talking to you about it. And I love the University of Virginia and the Heritage Theater Festival, even if they didn't spell it the correct way, (laughs) Uh (laughs) T-H-E-A-T-R-E. The difference, remember, everyone, theater R-E is the art. Theater E-R is the building. Okay, Colleen Kelly, wow, chair, professor, director, uh, and fight director, too. Remember how she taught me all about that. Really appreciate you being on the show. I'm wishing you all the best, and I'll be seeing you this summer, okay? Well, thank you so
3: much. I appreciated being on your show.
0: My pleasure. Bye now. Bye now. Stay with us, as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice.
1: Now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute Force Majeure, a legal term freeing all parties from obligation in the face of an act of God. It's a beautiful day, a happy family, mom, dad, and beloved children on their annual ski vacation. No pressures, forget about work, etc. This is family life, beautifully mundane. After a morning skiing, it's lunchtime, and what better than a cafe with a view up the majestic slopes? Beautiful. A presumably controlled avalanche is rumbling down the slopes. How exciting! Getting closer, wow! And closer, uh uh-oh! Raw white powder overcomes the café as... Dad chooses to save himself, leaving his family to fend for themselves. But the avalanche threatening to bury the café turns out to be a harmless snow cloud. Now what? Life goes on, subtly but fundamentally changed, identity redefined in an instant. Force Majeure turns out to be one of the most interesting films of 2014, raising quiet but powerful questions. None of us can be confident of how we might react in such a situation. Watching the ramifications unfold on the screen, asking, what would I have done, cannot be avoided. Can we really know ourselves until we are tested? And should we fail at a fateful moment? Can those we love continue to love and accept us? And more importantly, can we accept ourselves? Force Majeure. Not in theaters discovery through rental. Hello,
0: I'm Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice. Thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Despite Trump, there's a better world a coming. Most Americans have always worked hard to get ahead. But if you weren't as pale as Andrew Jackson, you had to run faster and slave longer to be acknowledged hero. Not so for Groper-in-Chief, proponent of foxy sexual harassment, walled in by conflicts of interest, threatening affordable health care, and scientific discovery shutdown. Whether shouting from baseball stands, religious altars, white hoods, or bully pulpit, mocking or demeaning others is the act of cowards with horrific potential and tragic probability. Yet... We still walk among heroes, in classrooms, hospitals, and neighborhoods, in the aftermath of tornadoes, hurricanes, and floods, good Samaritans clothed as strangers, saving us from the reality of erratic humans and weather extremes. Though a nation too steeped in denial and consumed by belly-up fear, spun by spin, hot air, broken promises, and past glories blowing in our face like icicles in spring no divider-in-chief can wall in american heroism if women children scientists educators activists surgeons-general attorneys-general and peaceful protesters advocate for reason equal justice for all renewable energy clean air and water free public education, and a financially secure EPA knowing true heroes rally to save, not incite to riot. Heroes are rarely loud or torturous or self-aggrandizing, rarely thinking themselves superior or even worthy. They are teachers and nurses, doctors and lawyers, the insightful friend and stranger just in the nick of time yet heroes are not only those saving families in trapped cars breathing life anew into infants but are the daily bread care propelling us forward in melodic ensemble there's a better world a-coming now we petition march and campaign to renew elections with an informed electorate we must be risk-taking heroes for our children because their children are depending on it we are the descendants of depression, inheritors of progressive winds, and stewards of the immigration legacies of legends. Heroes and emigrants come in all sizes, shapes, shades, and sexes, but where there are dreamers, there are detractors. Where the best and the brightest also fear of change, where innovative ideas, old habits, where God bless America assassinations in the streets where just say no fatted calf feasts for drug lords where genius envy outreach duck and cover for every protagonist an antagonist and every hero a villain where heroes seek balance cowards create chaos despite a james comey two-step or potus m i a sidestepping not the white house correspondence dinner Broadcast chambers maintain empty barrows. Oblivious to America's greatness is in the kindness of strangers, mentors, and nature. As for heroism, white congressional males, or sojourner truth, Harriet Tudman, Clara Barton, Hetty Green, Helen Keller, and her teacher Ann Sullivan, Francis Perkins, Georgia O'Keeffe. Amelia Earhart, Marian Anderson, Rosa Parks, Martha Ray, Katherine Graham, Ella Fitzgerald, Nancy Reagan, Shirley Chisholm, Maya Angelou, Audrey Hepburn, Coretta Scott King, Madeleine Albright, Hillary Clinton, Oprah, Simone Manuel, Simone Bills, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Heroism newborn william billy kimball's doctors nurses and scientists who develop ways to save the lives of babies and the elderly or climate deniers may eighteen eighty four moses fleetwood walker squatted to catch baseball fans off guard Seven years before tax day was knocked out of the Ides of March, Jackie Robinson stole bases in 1947 almost as fast as a 1936 Buckeye bullet winning four Olympic gold medals. Yet we still need Sam Cook and Woody Guthrie to apologize to Adam Jones. But I know a change is going to come. Oh, yes, it is. Since, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country, the GOP has diminished equality for non-whites, non-males, non-straits, non-documented American dreams. Caveat emptor, Halliburton Gulf oil deaths, pharmaceutical price hikes, and health care that denies covering pre-existing conditions. We choose who we honor as heroes, Mike Flynn or Desmond Doss, who earned his Medal of Honor by saving 75 wounded at Hackshaw Ridge, Donald Trump or Jimmy Kimmel. Mother of all bombs don't fire honor, and too often America's forgotten heroes are women. Change that makes a better world allows truth to set us free from the darkness of Lincoln's betrayers and emerge into the light of heroes, like Sally Yates. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.